Hey, what's up, Duke fans? Welcome into the Duke Wisdom Podcast, uh, where I'll talk about Duke basketball every Tuesday and Thursday. Um, this is something I've been wanting to do for a long time. I started Duke Wisdom about 10 years ago, but have never gotten into the podcast space. But it's something that I've thought about doing for, for a while and something that I've just I've just now got serious about. But you guys don't want to hear me drone on about this means for Duke Wisdom. Let's get into the topic of the episode. Let's just jump right into it. I want to talk about recruiting is something that, that I've kind of got my staple on. Run, uh, I ran at Duke Recruiting for the longest time, and I think that it's something that a lot of people like hearing about, especially this time of year with Peach Jam just ending in July. And recruiting is really the the main focal point for Duke basketball in the summertime. And so I wanted to kind of give my thoughts on not just what next year's rosters going to look like, but the year after and the year after that. I think it's actually a little bit easier now to project what that roster turnover from year to year is going to look like than it was under Mike Shashevsky. Under Coach K, you know, toward the end of his his years as the head coach, the roster turnover was was wild. It was everybody out every season almost. You know, I mean, the, the last season is a bit of an outlier because it was his last season, but Duke lost every scholarship player outside of Jeremy Roach and Jalen Blakes. Now, you can't expect that kind of turnover every year, but I mean, even just after 2018, Duke loses the entire starting lineup. After 2019, they lose the main core outside of Trey Jones. And then after 2020, they lose Jones and Carey and Stanley. After 21, even an off year, Duke is losing its two highest scores in Matt Hurt and DJ Stewart. And so now Duke found a way to control its top four scores to return for the first time since the gap from 1985 to 1986, when Johnny Dawkins, Mark Allery, Dave Henderson, and Jay Billis returned from their junior to senior seasons. Now Duke has back its top four scorers, Kyle Filipowski, Jeremy Roach, Mark Mitchell, and Tyrese Proctor. Yes, they still lost Derek Lively and Derek Whitehead to the draft, but the retention that John Shire was able to achieve is is night and day from what Duke fans have been used to, and it's it's a, a big breath of fresh air, really, um, to see this kind of retention. And I think a lot of it can boil down to NIL. Uh, I think maybe NIL is getting a little bit too much credit for that. I think that this group specifically, John Shire went out and he recruited guys that he knew wanted to be there, that he knew wanted to win. And I think that you don't have to look any further than the guys that stayed both opting not to go into the draft or the portal because I mean look at Kyle Filipowski uh in recent memory there's only one other guy comparable in terms of he could have been a mid first round pick and he decided to return college the only guy that I can think matches that is Grayson Allen really in in terms of having a stock that high and uh, electing to come back. Yeah, Filipowski's right up there with Grayson Allen. And then, you know, Tyrese Proctor is a guy that could have left, but ultimately I think that when he reclassed his intention, he always knew that he was supposed to be part of the 2024 NBA draft class. And so he, it wasn't a very difficult decision for him. That's what he discussed on the Brotherhood podcast. Uh, but I think that really you see the kinds of guy that Shire's going after when you look at the four-star recruit that he got in Jaden Shute. Jaden Shute not transferring is maybe as big a testimony to what Shire has built so quickly. I mean, this is a guy that didn't really see many minutes as a freshman. Honestly, when he came in, he struggled to shoot the ball as effectively as he probably would have liked to. And then Duke brings in Jared McCain. Duke brings in Caleb Foster. Uh, Duke brings in TJ Power. And they retain Jeremy Roach. They retain Tyree. Proctor. They retain Jalen Blakes, who Jalen Blakes honestly fits the bill kind of like Shoot does in this regard. That it would have been so easy for Shoot to jump ship. Uh, I mean, even Darren Harris is committed for the class of 2024 and will be coming in at that same position just a year later. It would have been so easy for Shoot to jump ship, but he stuck with it. 
he stayed the course. And I think that is a testament to what Shire has built, the kind of players that he has brought in are guys that want to stick around, guys that want to see this out, that they believe in the system that he's building. They believe in the team he's building and they want to win. Um, And so I think that the players that he's offering now kind of show that as well. And I think it's become a little easier to predict where the team is heading because Shire has built it in a sort of a different way. And college basketball is changing in different ways. Uh, I was at a press conference with with UNC head coach Hubert Davis recently, and he said that you can 100 percent predict that you're not going to know what the team's going to look like from year to year. And I think that is incredibly true for for what North Carolina is dealing with right now, having had seven transfers leaving. I think that's incredibly true for most college basketball teams right now, which is why it is amazing that John Shire has flipped the script on that, especially at Duke, where where players have been coming in and out of the draft and in previous years uh, hitting the portal in larger numbers than most schools. But the fact that Duke was the only power five school that didn't have a player transfer either mid-season or after the season. I mean, that's an, that's an incredible, incredible number. And I think that we're going to see more players stay, but I don't think that the same guys who elected to come back for this season are also going to elect to come back for the next season. But I'll, I'll, I'll head into that. I'll jump into that. So I want I want to first, you know, talk about this team a little bit and then I'll I'll start talking about uh, the recruiting trail for the class of 2024 and where the roster is heading. So I'm going to do another episode on who I think's taking home the starting spots for this year's team. That'll be uh, coming out next Tuesday. But um, basically, you know, you've got you've got Jeremy Roach, Tyrese Proctor, uh, Mark Mitchell, Kyle Filipowski. That'll those guys are starting. Then you've just got an array of talented players on this squad that are going to be vying for minutes. I mean, there are 12 legitimate rotation esque players on this roster. Outside of those four, uh, the core four returning players, you've also got Ryan Young coming back. You've got Caleb Foster, Jared McCain, Sean Stewart, and TJ Power coming in as really talented five-star freshmen. Outside of those guys, you've got some really talented bench pieces. I've already talked about shooting Blakes. Let's talk about seven foot one Christian Reeves. I mean, he fills a a need that I feel like Duke really kind of really does have room for on this roster because, you know, Filipowski, he is seven feet tall. He's not exactly the rim protector that Derek Lively II was or Mark Williams was. Not many are, but uh, I think Duke fans may be a bit spoiled from the last two seasons with Williams and lively shot blocking capabilities. But if you want to try to emulate that at all, the guy on the roster to do it is probably Reeves. I think Stewart can also be a shot blocker, but he's at a a, a lower height, a lower amount of length. He's got the ups for it. There's no doubt about that. But Reeves build wise matches Williams and lively most closely. And I think that's a really interesting guy to look at when it comes to playing time this season. But ultimately, I think who Duke retains from the end of this season will have a lot to do with how this season ends. If this season ends in victory, if Duke is a Final Four or even a national championship team, which is certainly not out of the question with how talented this team is, Duke's going to lose most of its main players, a lot of its main players. Uh, if it ends in disappointment, I think there's a chance that Duke is bringing back some guys that you you probably wouldn't guess they'd bring back. Um, Kyle Filipowski is a guy that just wants to win. And I've had hopes that he'd be a guy that stuck around to be an upperclassman, that he could be a guy that breaks the jersey retirement curse that no Duke players had a jersey retired in 18 years. I'm not going to get into the fact that Kyle Singler should 
absolutely have his jersey retired. That's that's a discussion for another day. But Filipowski could be he's he's going to be a guy. He's going to probably be the 13th Blue Devil all time to cross a thousand points in scoring within his first two years at Duke. And if he leaves after his sophomore year, he will join only Luke Kennard as one of two Blue Devils to score a thousand points uh, and leave after two years. Uh, that's a pretty incredible thing to think about. You know, Filipowski has chances to do really historically significant things in a Duke jersey. And if he stayed more than two years, uh, I mean, the opportunities are endless. But ultimately, I think Duke does well enough this year that Filipowski does not return for his junior year. I mean, he talked about in the Brotherhood podcast, the injury, you know, is something that was there that that it, it, uh, he says it didn't really pay, play uh, a part in his decision. But you have to think it's probably in the back of his mind. You know, he's got these significant surgeries happening. He could slip down the, the draft board because of that. But he wanted to win, and I think he wanted to come back. And I think it was always pretty clear that he was anticipating a sophomore year. But the way he talked about it is getting another year under his belt. Uh, And then he can go back to school later and finish his degree, but it'll be easier with a second year. The way he talks now, the way he talked on the Brotherhood podcast with with Ryan Young, I think that Filipowski is ultimately... He's probably going to leave after his sophomore year. He's mocking anywhere from like 10th to 17th. I mean, take mock drafts right now with an absolute grain of salt. They mean almost nothing. But Filipowski will probably be in a draft position. He'll probably be a first team all ACC player, potential All-American. He'll be in a position where he can certainly go and have guaranteed first round money, I would think. And so I think Filipowski, I was leaning pretty heavily to where I thought he might be a junior season kind of player. He might be an upperclassman. But his recent talk on the Brotherhood podcast has made me kind of flip the script where I think Kyle's gone. Uh, The other things that have been changing that thought process are the guys at John Shire has started to recruit more heavily. And I'm talking about Flory uh, Badunga uh, and I'm talking about Patrick Nagongba. Those guys, the the big men that he's recruiting, he previously wasn't. And I think it was really easy to see that, that John Shire knew Kyle Filipowski was coming back for a sophomore year just by analyzing his recruiting patterns. I mean, if you looked at the class of 23, he wrapped it up with a pretty bow very early. And he wasn't going after any traditional big men. I mean, zero. He, he, he got Sean Stewart. He landed Sean Stewart. And that is the extent to which he went after big men, which means he clearly believed in Christian Reeves to hold down the back. He knew that Ryan Young had another year of eligibility and that he would most likely use it. Um, Derek Lively, he had to know Derek Lively was going to leave. And one player in the class, freakish athleticism fits the NBA mold to a T. So what was left was Kyle Filipowski. And you had to think that Shire wasn't banking on using just Young and Reeves uh, and Stewart, even as the bigs. He knew that Filipowski was coming back. But now in 24 with Badunga, he's going after a really, really high level big man. And when he does that, and right now his crystal ball percentage is 100% to Duke. Uh, it's just one prediction. Uh, John Watson from the Devil's Den on July 26th uh, put in a project projection for Badunga to head to Duke. He's uh, taking a visit to Durham. Uh, and I think the number four overall player in the class, this is something to really, really look at if you're Duke fans, because analyzing his recruiting patterns is huge. I mean, I think analyzing recruiting patterns is 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 something that it will tell you so much that you need to know. I mean, look at, I was always so, so curious as to why it was taking so long for Duke to make an offer to the class of 2022. I, I, I was always like, you know, Duke hasn't submitted a single offer. I mean, when April 2020 or 2021 came around and not a single offer had gone out to the class of 22, I was thinking, okay, Coach K might be hanging it up. 
because he's not making promises. He's not offering these players. Sure enough, June 2nd rolls around. He announces it shortly after Shire's dishing out offers and getting commitments from Filipowski and Whitehead. But looking at the way that Shire offers can tell you a lot about who he anticipates will leave and uh, what the roster should look like for the next season. And it is the pursuit of Flory Badunga. And also, I mean, uh, Nagongba as well. Nagongba is a really high level player, number 33 player uh, in the class, according to 24 seven sports, six foot 11 center. Uh, both he and Badunga are big body guys. I mean, uh, above the rim players, not exactly stretches, not, not, not very similar to Kyle Filipowski, more of a traditional style, big man. Um, but looking at the way he's recruiting there, I don't think he's anticipating losing Reeves. I don't think he's anticipating losing Young. Now, Nagongba could just come in and replace Ryan Young, who clearly is in his last year of eligibility and is really the only guaranteed guy gone off this roster, he and Neil Begovich. Um, But I think that Badunga, looking at his recruitment of Badunga, it's like he wouldn't be going after a high-level center of that caliber if he was not anticipating a departure of that same level, and that would be Kyle Filipowski. I do think Kyle will leave. And I think he's clearly going to be joined by Tyrese Proctor. Tyrese Proctor has mocked as high as sixth so far. Again, take it with a grain of salt, but that's high. That's really high. And I think that Tyrese Proctor should be a lottery pick unless he really struggles to shoot the ball from three. If he shows consistent improvement for his three-point shot this season, Proctor should be gone. He should be a lottery pick. There shouldn't really be a lot of question about that. Um, He's gone. Jeremy Roach is an interesting case. And I'm... I'm fairly, I'm a little torn on Jeremy Roach. A lot of people thought Roach was going to jump ship to just go play professionally somewhere, even enter the portal. But entering the portal was never something I thought Roach would do. But I also never thought he'd leave. A lot of Duke fans were convinced this was Jeremy Roach's last year at Duke. They said that it was always going to be, you know, look at McCain coming in, Proctor's coming back now, Foster coming in. But I never understood why he'd do that. He That professional career is waiting for him in a year, in two years. He will have the same prospects professionally, regardless of when he leaves Duke. Whether he had left after junior or senior, might as well go get that degree. Might as well go try for a national championship. Might as well go be the first player in seven seasons to cross the 1,000 point threshold. He'll be the first player to do that since Emile Jefferson did it in his uh, his fifth year in 2017. Jeremy's only 20 points away. Got to think he gets it in either game one or game two, maybe against Arizona. But why not come back for that stuff? Why not come back to be a team captain for the second time in a row? And for me, it's like Duke's not really, they're going hard after one guard in the class of 24, one guy, and that's Dylan Harper. And for me, I think the only way that that Duke's getting Harper is if Jared McCain or Caleb Foster plays well enough to be a fringe first round pick and they declare for the draft alongside Proctor and also probably Roach leaving after his senior season as well. That way, I think Harper goes to Duke. And I think Duke has has a good a good amount of momentum in Har- Harper's race. But Brendan Marks of The Athletic said it best on the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. He said, uh, Duke is in a really strong position for Dylan, but certainly Rutgers is probably more the favorite at this point. And I think that's 100% accurate. I think Harper, right now, if I had to pick, I'd say he's going to Rutgers. And the reason for that is I think Jared McCain and Caleb Foster are both coming back for their sophomore year. 
just a correction I want to issue here that uh, the Ringer and Kevin O'Connor just put out a mock draft today, actually, that has Tyrese Proctor 10th overall, Caleb Foster 12th, Jared McCain 18, and Kyle Filipowski 19. That is a lot higher mocking uh, than I thought would be there for, for McCain and Foster, especially for Caleb Foster. But I am going to stick by the fact that I don't think that both of those guys are going to be one and done players with Proctor. I don't think there's enough time for all three of those guys to make enough impact to all be top 18 picks. I think on face value talent wise, they certainly are that good. I think that one out of two, at least of McCain or Foster uh, will return, which is interesting because then that kind of opens the door more for, for Jeremy Roach to potentially use that fifth year or for Dylan Harper to be a legitimate landing uh, spot in Durham. So that does make things more interesting, but I just wanted to add this context in here. I recorded this before the mock draft, and I was already off base when it came to projecting uh, their draft status, but uh, uh, that does make things more interesting, for sure. I know that every claim I'm going to make in here is so far ahead. It is blindfolded. It is shooting an arrow at the apple on top of a head blindfolded. I'm, I'm liable to miss, but... You know, that's the fun of it. That's the fun of it. Going back and looking to see what I'm wrong about. I think McCain's back. I think Foster's back. And I think because of that, those two starting guard positions are filled for 24-25, probably, most likely. Um, and I don't think they're going to get Harper. I really don't. And I think in all likelihood, Jeremy Roach also will pursue his professional career with a degree and hopefully some sort of large banner, maybe a two-time Final Four player in Jeremy Roach. Um, but I think Roach will go because I think McCain and Foster will be ready to completely run the offense as sophomores. And I think that Blakes will come in as a senior and be a really good backup. And then you'll have Shoot and you'll have Darren Harris as backup guards as well. I don't think there's a necessity for Jeremy Roach, but he certainly wouldn't be turned down. Um, so I'm going out on a limb. I'm saying that I don't think Duke lands Dylan Harper. I think it is certainly possible still in the cards and Shire is still going after him. Yes. Uh, if I had to be a betting man, though, I'm betting Rutgers. Uh, if I had to be a betting man, I'm saying Roach will probably go after his senior year and not take that fifth year of COVID eligibility. Uh, and with him, the possibility of any more players at Duke taking a fifth year will die. Roach is the last guy that, that can do that pretty much. So there will be no more talk of fifth years in Durham after Jeremy Roach, unless they, you know, go after a guy in the portal. Uh, but that is that's also something I'm going to take an aside here for a second to talk about. Uh, the portal is something that a lot of people will be like, well, he's going to go nab a center in the portal, nab a guard in the portal. And I think you saw this year that John Shire, a lot like Coach K, doesn't want to lean heavily on the transfer portal. It's not something that he wants to do. Yes, he went for four guys in his first year, but that's because he had to rebuild the entire roster. This year when he wasn't tasked with rebuilding an entire roster, he didn't really go after anybody. I mean, he went after Neil Begovich, uh, but that's just for a walk-on position. That's nothing crazy. And I don't think that he needs to go after these guys. I think he's getting recruits that are sticking around, buying into the plan, and he doesn't need to go shopping in the portal very much at all. And I think that he's not really doing that. So I'm shooting down a lot of portal discussion. I think that he will use it. I think that it will be used sparingly to build Duke's roster in the coming seasons. So I'm not really going to discuss. I think this spot on the roster will probably be filled by a guy from the portal. I'm not touching that at all. You never know what the portal is going to look like. That is such an evolving situation that it is pretty much impossible to predict anything. So anyway, 
Filipowski gone, Proctor gone, probably Roach gone as well. Let's dive into the last guy that's probably gone, Mark Mitchell. Projected probably an end of first round pick, maybe early second rounder. I think Mitchell can easily work his way into first round pick. He's got great length, six foot nine, can really play above the rim. If he can get that three point shot working a little bit better, a little bit more fluid, he's a great defender as well. Then I think Mark Mitchell will be probably an end of first round type selection, especially if Duke has the type of season that it's looking at having. And if you look at the guys that uh, John Shire is, is offering, the commits he has already, I mean, Isaiah Evans, Darren Harris, they're six, six small forwards, not exactly the same position as Mitchell, no doubt about that. But you got to think about the power forward position. Stewart is going to be ready as a sophomore to step right into that that starting power forward role. And then you look at other guys that he's he's offered, uh, VJ Edgecombe, uh, Con Knipple, uh, those guys, both small forwards, not exactly as tall as Mitchell, but positionally Shire has been dealing out offers to to wing forwards, to wing players, um, not to mention some guy named uh, Cooper Flagg that just made his uh, first visit to any college to Duke on Monday or on Tuesday, rather. But we've got to talk about that guy. Want to join a community of Duke accounts publishing news, theories, and predictions on Duke athletics? Join the Duke Wisdom Network. Just go to dukewisdom.org slash join network today and fill out the form with your name and social media. Or you can DM at Duke underscore wisdom on Twitter or Instagram. Become a part of the community of Duke fans publishing their takes today. Again, that's dukewisdom.org slash join network or DM at Duke underscore wisdom on Twitter or Instagram. So Cooper Flagg, number number one, number two overall player in high school, uh, depending on where you look at it. He and Cameron Boozer, depending on your take, they're one and two. But the prevailing theory right now is that Flagg will reclass up to the class of 2024. He's certainly talented enough to do it, certainly has the physicality to do it. And age-wise, birthday falls, I think, in December of 2006, which would make him eligible for the 2025 NBA draft. So he could reclass up. A lot of people think he's going to end up doing that. If he does that positionally, he certainly fills the spot of Mark Mitchell. Um, And if he commits to Duke, uh, which Duke seems to be the favorite, uh, they have long been thought of as the favorite in Flags recruitment. Um, But yeah, so that's one more guy. I think that you look at Filipowski's probably out. Roach is out. Proctor's out. Mitchell's out. The four guys they got to come back this year probably won't the next year. The good news is John Shire recruited five star recruits four of them uh, that should stay put for their sophomore season. I don't think that Stewart, Power, Foster, McCain, I don't think any of them are going to leave after the freshman year. It's certainly not impossible, especially probably with Jared McCain. But I, I think that Duke retains all four of those guys. And I think if Duke gets those guys back, they lose Filipowski, Mitchell, Roach, Proctor, Young. Those five guys are gone. And those are probably the five guys total that are gone. Uh, Duke already has Evans. They already have Harris. I don't think Duke goes after or lands any more kind of point guard or combo guard players. I've already talked a lot at length about Dylan Harper. So I think what ends up happening is Duke probably lands a center, probably either Flory Badunga or Patrick Nagongba. I think if you're Duke, you want it to be Badunga, and I ultimately think it probably will be. And then I think Cooper Flagg will reclass. That'll probably be something that happens. Why wouldn't he want to get to the NBA sooner? He's probably going to reclass. And I think Duke has the upper hand here. I think if Flagg decides to go to college, that it will likely be at Duke. If that is the case and Duke brings in a class of Flagg, Badunga, Evans, and Harris, you can look at a starting lineup that looks something like Jared McCain, Caleb Foster, um, Cooper Flagg, 
Sean Stewart, and Flory Badunga. And I think that that would be a really solid starting lineup for the 2024-25 Blue Devils. And then off the bench, you'd have Isaiah Evans, who, I mean, is the number 10 player in the class already committed. Baby Brandon Ingram, as he's been deemed. Him off the bench. And then Darren Harris off the bench as well. Darren Harris, painfully underrated. I mean, just took team takeover to a Peach Jam title. 28 points in the championship game. 13 in the first five minutes of the game. Darren Harris can shoot that thing. And he is so underrated. Tabbed only 60th in the class right now by uh, 24-7 Sports. But I really think that Harris... We'll shoot up that that list, and I think that he'll find some time in his freshman year. But Evans and Harris off the bench as well with returning guys like Jalen Blakes, Jaden Shute, Christian Reeves, TJ Power even. You know, TJ Power should see a lot of minutes off the bench if he's even coming off the bench as a sophomore. TJ Power could have a claim to start some games this season probably. I'll get more into that in Tuesday's episode. But I think that's probably what you're looking at class-wise. I think you're looking at departures from uh, the main five returning players that came back for this team are probably not going to return again. Uh, In Ryan Young's case, definitely not going to. Um, And then you bring in probably a four, maybe a five-man class. Uh, I think it's not out of the question that Duke could also land VJ Edgecombe or uh, Konkinipple. that could definitely happen. But uh, I think that Duke has definitely got Harris Evans. And I think if Cooper flags reclass in, Duke's probably the favorite. Flory Badunga is a guy they really got to go after. It's not Badunga, then it could be Nagongba. Uh, but that's probably the class Duke's looking at for the class of 24. And that's probably what the team's going to look like. And positionally, it would work. I think it would work very well, actually. So that's probably where they're looking at there. I'll just run down kind of the the, the outstanding offers Duke has for the class of 24. You got Flory Badunga. I think that this is probably one of Duke's higher chances. He's certainly probably one of the best players that they're going after. And positionally is somebody that they really would like to land if Filipowski is, in fact, going to leave after a sophomore year. Dylan Harper is a guy that I think Duke has a chance in, but it would take uh, a lot of a lot of things going the way I don't think they're going to go in terms of like Jared McCain maybe leaving after his freshman season, then that could end up leading to a Dylan Harper commitment. Ultimately, I think he he chooses Rutgers. Uh, of course, you got, uh, I've, I've mentioned Edgecombe and Knipple multiple times. You've got both of those guys. I think Duke has uh, kind of outside chances to land either of these guys. I wouldn't rule them out. I don't think they're the favorite in either regard, um, but I think, you know, certain things pan out different ways. I think Duke could land either of these guys. Certainly not both of them, but could land one of them. Uh, Nagongba feels like it's in either him or Badunga scenario. I don't see a world in which they land both, especially with a junior Christian Reeves coming back and occupying a lot of bench minutes at the five. And then the other outstanding offers, Nas Cunningham and Tucker, they're probably out of the question at this point. They're guys that I don't think are really on the radar anymore and I don't think should have a lot of stock as future Blue Devils. I, I think that, that Shire and staff are probably um, focusing more on the other guys than them. So that brings the turnover from 24-25 to 25-26. I mean, what's that? I mean, this is, I'm getting a little unhinged here trying to project this at all. This is so far in the future, and I'm probably going to be so painfully wrong about some things. But again, that's the fun in it. Well, we had the team we had. Let's look at the offers that Duke has out for the class of 25 right now. Cooper Flagg, of course, but I'm running under the assumption that he'll end up reclassing eventually. So that lands with Cameron Boozer uh, and Caden Boozer, who Caden Boozer was just terrific in the uh, the U16 Peach Jam title against uh, Cooper Flagg. Uh, Caden was 
phenomenal. I mean, hitting shots, running the offense, very underrated player, has now been boosted up to number 12 player in the class. Uh, then you've got Caleb Wilson, a recent offer, power forward, six foot nine, number six player in the class. Jalen Harrelson, six foot six, combo guard, number nine in the class. Uh, Braden Burry's uh, six foot four, number 17 in the class. And then Malik Thomas, six foot four, number eight in the class. He's a point guard. I think that if you're Duke, there's a good chance, honestly, that they get either McCain or Foster, maybe both probably not both, but maybe, uh, to come back for a junior season. I think one of two of them might see a junior season. If that's maybe it's, if both of them leave, Duke's probably going to press hard after, uh, Thomas or Caden Boozer or ultimately somebody that they haven't offered yet. I mean, at this point, the offer sheet looks a lot different than it will in a year. I mean, a few of these guys inevitably are going to fall into that sort of Nas Cunningham, uh, Bryson Tucker column that, you see in 2024 guys that were offered a year ago and that Duke fans are really kind of looking at a year ago. But, you know, as time goes on, recruitments evolve. Those guys kind of end up devolving from Duke's uh, focus. And that'll happen again in the class of 2025. I'm sure a couple of these names won't be at the forefront anymore, but uh, they're what we have right now. They're what we can see right now. And I think, you know, Duke's probably not going to lose Foster and McCain both after their sophomore year. That's my, that's my projection. Uh, I do see them landing the boozers. I don't think Duke should be overly confident in landing both the boozers. They seem very much open to recruitment. I mean, they've been vocal about the fact that their recruitment is open to beyond Duke. They want schools that aren't Duke to recruit them. And so Duke can't just be like, okay, Carlos's sons, they're in the bag. I don't think that's the case. I do think Duke is the favorite. I think Duke is the team to beat when it comes to the Boozer twins, but they can't assume anything. Now, if they do land the Boozers, Caden steps into a point guard role, whether that's starting or not, we'll see. But I think that they get the if they get the boozers, they might land another guy. I think Stewart could be a kind of guy that might be a two and done kind of player. Uh, Cooper Flag would certainly be a one and done. You have to think Flory Badunga would be as well. If Badunga's a one and done, you kind of get Cameron Boozer to step in there. I think you know replacing Cooper Flag is uh, a job that can be done by a, a plethora of guys on this offer list. I mean, Caleb Wilson could step in to that position. Is he going to be a one for one replacement? Probably not, but he can come in. And he could come in and replace that. I'm talking hypothetical guys replacing guys that haven't committed and won't commit for a while. Uh, That's how unhinged this first episode is, but this is the kind of theorizing you want to see, man. I mean, uh, it's, it's August and there's, there's, there's not a crazy amount to talk about. So I'm talking about replacing a guy that hasn't even committed yet, but, um, I think you're looking at the boozers as, as your primary guys to land here on this list. And I think there's a lot of intrigue with Caleb Wilson as well. So obviously guys like uh, Reeves will step into bigger roles uh, by 2026. That would be his his senior season. <laughs> Crazy to think that we're thinking that far into the future. Um, it's really hard to pre- predict this, especially when the offer sheet doesn't look like what it will look like. But I think involving the boozers and, and thoughts of what that season will look like and uh, Christian Reeves and TJ Power and maybe even, you know, Foster and McCain into what that season hopefully will look like as well. I think Duke has the foundation for what this team is going to look like um, for the coming years. And I think that's the point of making this episode is showing that that Duke's going to have a lot more roster continuity. I think it's not going to be part, it's not going to be the 90s. We're not going back to everybody stays four years. Uh, the roster hardly changes from year to year. No, that's not happening. You know. There will be one and dones. 
there will probably be multiple one and dones most seasons still. But I think there's going to be more guys coming back, more fringe five stars opting for a second year because there's incentive to do so with an IL. But John Shire is going after guys that he knows are buying into the system. You know, guys are going to do what's best for them. And if going to the league after years, what's best for them, that's what's best for them. But you'll have guys like this past season that what's best for them is returning. You know, Filipowski wanted to win, wanted to build a legacy. Mark Mitchell building that draft stock up. Tyrese Proctor, the same thing. And they want to win as well. Jeremy Roach wants to be that captain and win again. And he knows that opportunity is always waiting um, whenever he decides to leave. But I think it's really interesting to look at this. And I think looking at the offer breakdown, looking at who Shire is going after, uh, who he's going after hard, you know, that kind of um, recruiting breakdown really can be very telling. It can really show you who's who he anticipates probably will leave and probably will not. Uh, I think it is a very important thing to look at when you're building your expectations for the seasons to come. And I think the seasons to come are very exciting. I mean, this season, Duke probably projects to be the number two team preseason uh, or somewhere around there. It's, it's especially, you know, definitely a top five team. Um, and I think that that's very exciting. The prospects that this could be a Final Four, a national championship team are very exciting. And then to follow that team with, you know, potentially three or four returning five-star freshmen to their sophomore seasons, and then bringing in one of the most hyped-up recruits um, of the decade in Cooper Flagg would be ginormous, and that could make next year's team fantastic. And then the following season, I mean, with the Boozers, um, there's a lot to be excited about in the years coming for Duke basketball. Everything's evolving in college basketball. Everything's evolving in Duke basketball. Uh, And things are looking good and Hopefully things are looking good for this podcast. I want to thank you guys for for clicking on and listening. I don't know how many people are going to be tuning in for the first one, but I'm going to keep building on this uh, and hopefully get some more listeners uh, as we go. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, please reach out. DM at Duke underscore wisdom on Twitter slash X. Uh, reach out the same on Instagram. Uh, we can talk Duke men's basketball, Duke women's basketball, or even Duke football here. Make sure to follow at Duke underscore wisdom on Twitter slash X, Instagram and threads. You can also follow at Duke underscore wisdom WBB. Uh, for women's basketball content on Twitter slash X. And you can also follow at Duke underscore wisdom FB for football content that will hopefully be starting up soon uh, as the season ramps up. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you uh, like and subscribe and leave a review on the podcast. That would be super helpful. Thanks so much.